Gang, for over a year now, I've been talking about True Hemp Science Full Spectrum CBD oils and how they've reduced my anxiety and helped me get better sleep without waking up feeling foggy and confused. I've also talked about the Full Spectrum CBD bombs that relieved my hand pain last year and made playing piano and guitar much easier. Well, gang, today I'm going to tell you about True Hemp Science organic gummies made with full spectrum hemp oil that are available now. They come in two different gauges. There are five, uh, 50 milligram ones that have 50 milligrams of CBD and 1.5 milligrams of THC. Then there are ones that are 100 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC. Absolutely delicious uh, lemon lime slash orange flavors and also watermelon black cherry flavors. Super, super delicious. Now, now, they also have a complete line of full-spectrum CBD products, including oils, tinctures, skincare lotions, sports rubs, chocolates, gummies, all kinds of stuff. Well, gang, How Did I Get Here has teamed up with True Hemp Science to bring you a very special offer that benefits all of us. Spend $100 or more at TrueHempScience.com and you will get a free gift. Just enter the code HDIGH at checkout. There's a little code place there for you to enter it. H-D-I-G-H and you will get a free gift with purchase. That's right. Go to TrueHempScience.com and balance your body and mind with True Hemp Science. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com to access past the 20 last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and... uh, And check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week so far, whatever it is you've done this week. I want to thank you guys for listening to episode 1302 of How Did I Get Here? Yeah, I got two conversations up here for you. Tell you all about it in just a second. Uh, I want to, uh, we celebrated 12 years of being a show yesterday. Episode one dropped on uh, August 10th, 2011. 12 years ago, dropped 12 years ago yesterday. So we are officially 12 years old. So happy birthday to how did I get here? It's been a really great time. I love doing this show so much. It's my favorite thing to do. It really is outside of playing music. You know what I mean? I, I love, I love having these conversations about music, about people's journeys, personal journeys. Today is no different, man. I've got a double, a double conversation for you guys today. I have, uh, Legendary singer, songwriter, and artist Maya Sharp is my guest on the show. Now, if you don't know who Maya Sharp is, she's written songs for Trisha Yearwood, uh, the Chicks, the Dixie Chicks, if, if what they were called back when she had a song with them. She's written for Cher, Bonnie Raitt, 
Edwin McCain, Lisa Loeb, Paul Carrick, uh, David Wilcox, Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel from Simon and Garfunkel. And she produced an Art Garfunkel album. She produced an Edwin McCain album. She's been working with my friends, The Accidentals, who have been on the show quite a few times. My old friend, Mark Addison, produced her her debut album uh, that came out on Art 21 back in like 1998 or something like that. Can't even remember exactly when that was. I've had a life where I was kind of adjacent to her in a lot of ways. And uh, I was I was hearing about her all the time once removed. Uh, we talk all about it. I'll tell you guys all about it. But she's got a brand new record coming out next Friday, August 18th. It's called Reckless Thoughts. Amazing record. You can find out more about uh, what she's up to by going to mayasharp.com. Okay, there's links to that in the text of this podcast and everything. Before we talk to Maya Sharp, I want to talk to my dear old friend, Lance Keltner, musician who uh, just moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico a couple years ago. But he's been in Austin a long time. Uh, a guy that's been put, you know, he's putting out records in the 90s. He was on MCA Records. Uh, he was on the show a few years ago. Anyway, we've been good friends for many years. And uh, his stepson sadly passed away from uh, taking a fentanyl pill when he thought it was a Xanax and, and, and he died from it. And uh, his name was Connor. He was 24 years old. He was a new dad at the time. And uh, they started an organization called Connor's Heart, which you can find at connors-heart.org. Now, they are raising money and giving it to different uh, different nonprofits that are helping raise awareness, uh, bringing out the, the Narcon the Narcan or what it's called, sorry, and test kits and stuff like that. They are having a very special show this Sunday, August 13th at Emo's here in Austin. The Doors are at 6, show is at 7. Now at 7 p.m., you will be serenaded by the great Eric Johnson doing an acoustic set with uh, his longtime bass player, Roscoe Beck. Uh, he'll be followed by Lance Keltner and his band, uh, Nuevo Retro, who will be playing. Also, Vallejo will be playing. David Grissom will be playing. There'll be special guests like Chris Whipper Layton, the drummer from the Archangels, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, Guy Forsyth, my pal. And I just found out that I'll be getting up and doing a tune there, maybe doing some stuff at the end there. So that's this Sunday, August 13th at Emo's. The proceeds from the show go to Recovery ATX. They'll be giving the money for them to raise, uh, to do some education about opioids and, uh, and fentanyl and also uh, Narcan and, and test kits, distributing Narcan and test kits to people that need it. So before we talk to the great Maya Sharp, let's talk to my dear old friend Lance Keltner about Connor's Heart and the show this Sunday at uh, Emo's this Sunday, August 13th. This is me and Lance Keltner chatting it up. Man, Lance, tell me a bit about Connor. Well, Connor uh, was 24 years old when he passed. He was my wife's son, uh, her oldest son. And uh, great kid. He had just had a new baby with his girlfriend. And um, a friend came over to his house. And like a lot of people his age, he was using Xanax recreationally. And somebody gave him what he thought were a few Xanax. And he took those. And they were actually fentanyl. And uh, he was found dead on his couch the next morning by a good friend of his. And and, um, you know, I started obviously looking into this and it's incredible that it kills more people between the ages of 14 and 48 than anything else in the country right now. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's just a toxic, terrible 
drug and you know I, I i honestly you know and you and i've known each other for a long long time and i honestly thought to myself johnny i said look i am by far the least famous of my friends around the country and i thought you know what could all of my folks that really are you know well known try to help fight this cause and could you know promote concerts around the country and then use the money from each of those shows to to uh, help local uh, 501c3s nonprofits that work on the streets to try to help save lives. So we decided because of Connor's death, we would call um, we would call the, the nonprofit Connor's Heart, and uh, he's a good kid. He he did have a big heart. He loved everybody, and he, you know it's, it's unfortunately unfortunate when we. Did the new video we just did, Johnny? By the way, we we asked other parents who had lost yeah, their I kids saw that. to send their photos. Yeah, and it was it was heartbreaking. And you know, Cole knows of a lady here in Austin who lost both of her sons in the same night. Jesus. And so this is just tragic, and it's happening all over. So, you know, in in town, we we partnered with Recovery ATX, and they're going to receive all the money from the show, less you know, the bare expenses. And, um, what they're going to do with that is they're going to better educate folks here in town. They're going to get test kits and Narcan and distribute that to everybody who needs it. And, uh, we're really going to try to sort of take the stigma away from this because, you know, you know, and I know, and all of our friends who are in the music business in Austin know that if, this had been around when we were in our twenties. All oh, yeah. of us would have been, We'd dead. All be dead. Yeah, you know, I was I was on the phone the other day with my friend Chips Enough. You know, he was in a band in the eighties called Enough's Enough, and, and and Chip is helping us with our Chicago show. And he was you know, he just said, "Oh my God, could you imagine?" He goes, "An entire generation would died in the eighties." Because you know, my point to people who are against trying to help people save their lives with test kits and Narcan is that all of us made mistakes when we were young, right? You know, we all did. And the two kids that died, the, the, the lady, the lady sons that died the same night, they took a half a pill a piece they were given at a party. And it was strong enough to kill them. Jesus. So, you know, a, a tiny mistake, one tiny mistake can, um, can uh, take your life now with this stuff. And, you know, I, I was talking to my friend Jimmy Hazel from 24-7 Spies in New York. Mm-hmm. And he said a couple of buddies of his, our age, you know, in our basic age group, thought, well, we haven't done cocaine in, you know, 30 years. We're going to go buy some coke. And they got some coke that was laced by fentanyl, with fentanyl, and both of them died the same night. And so there's nothing you can take. Prescription drugs, you can't trust any of that. Now, if somebody hands you a pill, uh, you don't know what's going to be in it. It's in cocaine. It's in all kinds of things that look like over-the-counter over medications as well. They're even making it look like Skittles. So, you know, this is very, very tragic and super dangerous, and that's why we're doing what we're doing, you know? So we're hoping that we can, we can help Recovery ATX save some lives here in town. That's amazing. Um, and you've, yep. you've, uh, you've put together an amazing show for this Sunday, August 13th at Emo's. The doors are at six. The show's at seven. It will feature a special acoustic performance by Eric Johnson with Roscoe Beck. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, you'll yeah. be playing yeah. Lance Keltner and Nuevo Retro. Uh, I'm sure you'll be playing yeah. the song Love Lingers, and people can check out that video. I'll put a link to it on our Facebook page. But uh, but you're you're getting the old band back together, I saw. You got Cole 
and right. and Kevin and Mike and Mike. That's yeah, right. So, so ba- ba- it's so funny because basically my band is just Zulu time. Right. Exactly. Their old band. You know, I mean, I it started out in the late eighties that that you know Mike started coming to my shows to the back room when he was in Zulu time, and he eventually joined the band. And my band and then Kevin joined the band in the early 90s along with Cole and uh, yeah we got the old band back together for all of this we did a new record we're, we're doing some touring and going to Europe next year and and so you know we're acting as the house band for a lot of these shows where people are coming as just an artist who are going to just get up and do a few songs and and how we're putting it together is, is a lot of fun for the audience too Johnny because we're doing it like the old 50s reviews where we we share equipment on stage. So the back line and everything will be the same all night, making set changes very, very short. So people are not going to sit around for 45 minutes to an hour between bands. It'll be literally five minutes, 10 minutes between between sets. So Eric does go on at seven and we play a short set and then um, our good friends Vallejo will play. And then David Grissom's going to do a set and then we're going to have a little jam at the end. And uh, Guy Forsyth's coming out for that, and Chris Layton's coming. And, uh, you know, heck, if you're not busy, come out. You know, we'll put you on stage. Yeah, man, that sounds fun. What a, uh, what a great way to, uh, to raise money for something like this and to raise awareness as well. Right. Well, I'm in the music community. We need to take responsibility for this and step up because, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help, we always try to, as you know, and, and we definitely want to try to help mitigate uh, the damage that this drug causes. And, uh, you know, we'll be doing a show in New York at City Lining on October 21st, and we'll be playing in Nashville in January. We've got an L.A. show coming up where Carmine Rojas is going to be the musical director for that show. And wow. uh, then we're going to do smaller markets. We're going to do every market we can because we were out in Artesia, New Mexico a few weeks ago, and a lady there that owns a sober living home said, you know, Hey, don't forget about us small towns because yeah, you know, there's two, three small towns and clusters around every you know state and they have as big a problem with drugs as the big cities. So we're going to put little shows together for places like that and try to raise some money to help there too. And, um, you know, we're meeting a lot of other people that are really, uh, involved with this. who have been in it longer than we have who are trying to help as well. And, there's going to be a national fentanyl awareness day in New York city the week after we play. So I think it's October 28th and, uh, there'll be a lot of folks there and, you know, a lot, a lot of good people. And from every walk of life, we're kind of banding together and standing up to this. And hopefully we're going to be able to stop the flow of fentanyl into the States and, and, and the world, you know, maybe we could just make them stop producing. It would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Um, you know, we've also lost, didn't, like Tom Petty and Prince? Yep. Both died of this, and, and so did Michael Jackson? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's right. And then, and then Chris Stein, um, the, one of the founders of the, bland, the band Blondie, I found out Chris just lost his son several weeks ago to fentanyl. Um, and that was, that was Deborah Harry's... Uh, godson so chris and deborah are very you know affected by this and they may help out in the new york show what uh, what date is sorry to interrupt you what is the date on that new york show at city winery 
October 21st. Okay. So if anybody that, that listens to your podcast uh, wants to come out, that's going to be a great show. We, we're talking to a lot of great New York area musicians. You know, in the, in the big cities, it's great because we can save money and spend the money on the right areas because we don't have to fly artists in like we would in some small town. Right, right. Um, the, the reason we postponed the Santa Fe show uh, we were going to do in July was simply because a couple of the headliners that, that had agreed to help out couldn't work their schedules out to get there, and we started looking at the cost of you know traveling and getting everybody where they need to be, and we went, eh, let's do the cities where the musicians live first, and then you know, and then work on this other part, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I'm so sorry for your loss. That is really awful, but um, I'm glad that you have have taken the initiative, you and Lisa, right? Yeah, I've taken the initiative to to start this uh, Connor's Heart. You can go to connors heartorg I'll put a link to it here. I put it in a link to the last episode of the podcast and talked about a bit about the show. And this Sunday, Thanks. I mean, uh, celebrating Connor's life and raising some awareness to uh, to save some other lives is really badass. But also having Eric Johnson with Roscoe Beck, you and the old band back together, uh, uh, and Nuevo Retro. Uh, with uh, Vallejo, David Grissom, uh, like you said, Whippers playing, and uh, guy. the guy Forsyth. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's amazing. All at Emo's this Sunday, uh, August 13th. Uh, doors are at 6, shows at 7. You can go to Emo's. I'll put links to, to the to the, to the tickets on this. Yeah. In the text well, I really podcast. appreciate your time. No problem, yeah, man. Thank you, for, thank you for having me on, Johnny. And, um, and seriously, get in touch with me offline if you want to come out. We'd love to have you, and, you know. It's uh, it's going to be a big uh, old home kind of party thing at the old back room, really. I mean, yeah, most <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to come out and say hi and see you guys at least, and uh, uh, I'll jam on whatever, dude. I love you. Yeah, hang awesome. on just a second. Uh, stay stay on the line, but uh, everyone, go check out uh, Connors Heart org. I'll put links to all this stuff this Sunday, August thirteenth. Eric Johnson with Roscoe Beck, uh, Lance Keltner, and Nuevo Retro. Uh, Vallejo, Eric John, uh, sorry, David Grissom, and, and a lot of other special guests. Uh, thanks, thanks for doing the show, Lance. Love you, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Love you, man. Gang, that was Lance Keltner, my dear friend. I'm so sorry for his loss. That's a sad thing. Uh, they are celebrating Connor's life, though, this Sunday with a very special show featuring Eric Johnson with Roscoe Beck, Lance Keltner and his band Nuevo Retro, Vallejo, David Grissom, special guest. I'll be getting up and playing. He texted me after we talked. I'm doing this thing. That's this Sunday, August 13th at Emo's here in Austin, 2015 Riverside. I'll put a link to the t- to how to get tickets to this show uh, in the text of this podcast. Also, I'll put a link to connorsheart.org in there. All right? Uh, I want to thank Lance for doing the show, and I'm really looking forward to helping and, and jamming with my old pals this weekend. All right? All right, man. Uh, next up, I talked to amazing singer-songwriter and artist Maya Sharp, whose brand new record, Reckless Thoughts, comes out next Friday, August 18th. You can go to mayasharp.com. She's celebrating with a, a release show, a full band release show in, uh, in Nashville, which is where she lives now, at 3rd and Lindsley on August 20th. 
Uh, then she'll be heading out on a solo tour starting August, August 23rd. Go to MayaSharp.com to find out all you need to about Maya Sharp. We have a fantastic conversation about songwriting, about her time working in the castle, which was this castle that was owned by Miles Copeland, who, uh, who I guess she was signed to with ARC 21, but they would send these songwriters out there. And this is how I was adjacent to her. A lot of my friends were going to the castle and writing when she was there. And I thought I was going to get to go because my manager was somehow, one of my managers at the time, was somehow involved with the castle. His wife went, all of our friends went, but I never got to go. So I was sad. But I got to hear lots of great songs, uh, lots of great stories about writing songs with like Carol King, The Go-Go's, uh, Howard Jones, all kinds of people, man. What an incredible experience. Also, what an incredible songwriter this woman's turned out to be. As I said, she's written songs for Trisha Yearwood, Dixie Chicks. Cher, Bonnie Raitt, Edwin McCain, The Accidentals, my dear friends, Lisa Loeb, Paul Carrick, David Wilcox, Art Garfunkel. Now she lives in uh, in Nashville and uh, and she has a Patreon. You guys can find out all about that. She's a second generation uh, musician. Her dad was a was a a uh, a staple in the L.A. scene. Uh, Randy Sharp. That was her dad, and she came up in the music scene there and and turned out to be such an amazing songwriter. We have such a great conversation. She's also worked uh, writing songs with veterans through Soldier Songs, which uh, I've talked to at length with Mary Gaucher and Darden Smith, my dear friends on there. So anyway, uh, Maya and I have a great conversation. She's an amazing artist, amazing songwriter, and this conversation is absolutely fantastic. We have a lot of great friends uh, in common, Mark Addison, uh, uh uh, Mary Gaucher, all kinds of people, right? Darden Smith, everyone. All right, uh, please enjoy my conversation with this amazing artist, Maya Sharp. Let's get down. If it's a pain, if it's a problem, it won't be hers anymore. And waiting with the excuse for you to walk her to the door. So how's life? Life is good. Life is good. You're in uh you're in Nashville? Uh-huh. How long have you been there? Uh, I moved here beginning of nineteen, so I'm just a little over four years. What made you uh make the move from LA? Uh, there was a few things. There was a little bit of a push and a little bit of a pull here. Um, my very long-term relationship ended there. Um, it was becoming evident that Los Angeles isn't helping me professionally. Like there were, um, I still have a lot of wonderful friends, like lifelong friends there. Um, but I realized that all of the good things that were happening weren't because I was living in LA. Like they would happen because I traveled right. or there were things that could have happened anywhere. Like it was just me working in my studio, which could have been anywhere or it's cause I came to Nashville or I went to New York or I went to Austin or like, it was like in LA just, I think there was, there were also a bunch of things that I knew I was missing, but I wasn't sure what they were yet. And once I got here and I had a little bit of time here, I realized that a sense of a sense of a community that can really grow and nurture itself. Yeah. That I think we want that in LA, but it's so hard to keep that up just because right. of just because of the geography 
because everybody's just hustling so hard to make it work because the cost of living is higher. Just everything's harder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So here, here it really did reveal itself. Yeah. Um, I don't think you and I have ever met, but there was a point in our lives where we were very close, uh, to meeting. I, I was was neighbors with, no, I live in Austin and I lived in Austin at the time, but I was neighbors with Mark Addison when he, when he was working on that record with you. Yes. And then I don't know if he actually worked at arc 21 or, or like, it's hard for me to remember, but Jed Malone, uh, Oh, remember him? He was married to Jane Wheedland. Oh yeah. Okay. So I don't know if he worked there or not. I worked with her. Yeah. I, I don't, I think I met him once. I, I know he worked with Miles. I can't remember if it was publishing, but he was one of my managers at that time when you wow. went to the castle because when Jane came back from the castle, I went and stayed with them and wrote with her and Charlotte and a bunch of other people. But I've, cool. always, I've always heard your name and I've always heard great things about you. And I was a fan of that first record, which by the way, how do you find that now? Um, the very, very first record, the one that the arc 21 record. Yeah. Uh, I think you can find it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah. I'm pretty sure Amazon has all of them there. Um, hardly glamor is the first one and, and my self title for Concord. Yeah. I think you can find them all. Cause I, I'm ashamed to say I don't have them all with me. So like you you couldn't even get them here, (laughs) you know? (laughs) They are, they are there. Yeah. And then Mark and I worked together again. I circled back. We, we worked together again on a couple songs that kind of helped to lead to a record I made in 2008, which is obviously years later. And uh, yeah, he's just such a talented guy. Are you guys still in touch? Yeah, we're still in touch. I don't, I worked with him. Like he was my neighbor and we would write songs together. And then we, he, me and him and remember Nina. Oh yeah. Yeah. God, she's one of, she's still one of my favorite. Uh, players ever. Yeah, her drumming pocket was incredible. That's funny that you say that because I always say that her left hand is exactly where my right hand moves. Like we have, oh. like she's real. She fits like a glove when you play with her. That's interesting because yeah. I, I love the feel of your music, and I wonder if you and I both have similar feels in our. <laughs> yes, she's like she's just on the backside. Yes, yes, and also. With that little frame, like she's got to be a hundred pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Her kick yeah, yeah, yeah. is like the heaviest, yeah. hardest, but not obnoxious. Just like, how the hell is that little leg making that sound? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a rock band and, and our drummer left after our first record and Nina joined our band and did our second mm. record with her. And twice on the road, she broke kick drum pedals. I've never seen that with anybody on the road. I've never seen anybody the, do that, like break the pedal itself. Because the pedal couldn't handle the truth <laughs> of, of her her groove. It was so heavy. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, getting back into your stuff, when I got this uh, email from Wendy, I was like, all right, I get to finally meet Maya Sharp after all this time. And digging through all of your music, like what an adventure you you've had as an artist. Like it's so, yeah. uh, are, are, are you, you produce yourself? Uh, I have for the last few albums. Yeah. I, I didn't from the beginning, 
um, I was a co-producer on the first couple and then Brad Jones did Find Sending Citizen and then um, um, Don was, I was trying to remember which one was next. He did Echo in 2008. That was amazing to work with Don. Um, and then, yeah, I co-produced with Linda Taylor and then I produced my last two mm-hmm. um, alone here in Nashville, yeah. And this one, Reckless yeah, Thoughts. Mm-hmm. You worked there in your house, or? Um, so I tracked that um, at a friend's place, uh, uh, Resistor Studio here in Nashville. Um, um, Joshua Grange is the owner operator there, and he's also a killer guitar player. So um, I did bass, drums, and electrics there, and then I bring those tracks. And also, I do a lot of pre production. So I show up with most of the plan yeah so i can get so i can get all that in just a couple days and then i bring it back here and i'm off the clock and i get to work in my own room and get all the vocals here and all the stuff that i have around and i say that like you know that it's a you know that you've had a fruitful day and i'm sure that you feel the same way when you look back at the end of the day and there's just like guitars and mandolins <laughs> and mellotrons yeah, yeah, and yeah. Wurlitzers pulled out of the yeah. wall and the piano's got your coffee on it. And it's like, yes, everything got tried, you know? Yeah. So I do, I spend a lot of time after the tracking here and then I'm the editor too. And sickly, I like to do that also, like just to kind of go through all of the, all of the parts and kind of, create a conversation between all of the stuff that I have in front of me. What do you mean? Like, like editing all, like you mean the mixing and all that stuff or. Well, like pre mixing, I don't, I don't want to mix first of all, because it's an art form in and of itself that would require like more hours than I want to spend on that. You know, the learning of that and the hardware and all the plugins and everything. But the, <laughs> but the pre, but the pre-mix. Right. Uh, like, like comping okay, things got, or something or. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like, okay, I got four electric parts. I took, you know, the whole band took the song as a band six times. So now like I'm going to, select my favorite sections and then overdubs and then all of the little fairies that I put on it afterwards. And does it really want the piano? And I, I usually know that I'm done when I've gone one click too far and I start sliding down the other side of the mountain and I'm like, no, 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 no. I was there on the last draft. (laughs) Okay. Check. But yeah, I, I really love that whole process. As long as I have the time, I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really meditative, like doing the dishes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have a friend, uh, uh, an engineer and producer as well. And she was saying, we were talking about AI and she mm. is very excited about using AI to clean up the tracks and stuff. Like that's one thing that she wants off her plate in her world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, more power to her if that yeah. is something that helps her out the cleaning of the track to me is like you said, it can be a meditative thing. It can be part. It's, it's like cleaning the house. Like you're thinking of other things while you're doing that. And sometimes those other thoughts that show up 
while I groom and line up the doubles and like, you know, all of that little stuff that would be tedious to other people. Right. To me, it could be inspiring in some unexpected way. Huh. That's interesting. I was going to blame it on, I'm assuming you and I are around the same age that she's young and like never had to wait for rewind for a tape to rewind. Right. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> right. Yes, I do remember the rewind. I do remember the running out of tape. Yeah. That, that thing is over. <laughs> yeah. Bouncing a bunch of shit because you're running out of tracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do yeah, you, you got to get the... Uh, no, I don't. No? In fact, the last two albums, once everything is finished, it got, uh, you know, the final two-track mix got thrown over to tape and then and then thrown on back. And I, I'm sorry, but I feel like I get all the lusciousness of the tape out of that without any of the, like... I guess we got to go get the razor and slice that, right. you know, section out, right? So, yeah, and the vocal comps, and now it's like, now it's just a layer thing. You're like, I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go, okay, no, it was three back, and then it was the newest one, and then yeah. it was the first one. It was boom, 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 boom. I just like personally making those choices and doing those moves because I usually find something um, that isn't always the most accurate, or perfect, but it's the one that is right for the moment. And I don't trust that AI is going to make the choices that I would want to make, you know, I, even if it's just the grooming and cleaning up, there's still stuff that yeah, maybe yeah. you don't want to clean. That's true. That's true. That's what I'm saying too, is that this person's like in their late twenties and doesn't have like, like doesn't think that the Beatles talking at the beginning of those songs on let it be is cool. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's just a different it's just a different a, a different sort of aesthetic that she's grown up around. Just sure. Um, uh, this record is fantastic. It really is. Like you, you're such a uh, an amazing songwriter. Do you do a lot of co-writing and stuff out there in the Nashville? Yeah, I've done a lot of co-writing really from the beginning. Like I think since I started writing, yeah. I was co-writing just much as I was writing alone. And there are periods of time, in fact, recently, uh, in the last few, few years where I am writing with other people more often than I'm writing alone. Part of that is logistics because when I write alone, it takes me longer, you know, it'll take me a few weeks to feel like I've really milked that idea and I have finished it without a sounding board. You know, you kind of have to be your own sounding board. You got to walk away and come back as an with a fresh perspective and like, is that still as good as I thought it was? And, um, but when I write with other people, it can be, you know, a day or two. Um, so yeah, this, on this album, there's only one solo, right? And the other, uh, nine are with other people. Mm -hmm. Damn. And it's, it's a pretty good mix of folks. Like there's not a whole lot of double ups. There's a couple of doubles where I, I, I co-wrote with the same person on more than one song, but I, I, I have a pretty good selection of my co-writers and they're all also pretty regular co-writers, like people I've known for years, you know, okay. Garrison Starr uh-huh. and I have been buds forever, Mindy Smith. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of lifers on this one. I saw that you wrote a song with a band that, that I just love. And I met through doing the podcast and for years they would come on the accidentals. 
Did you write a song with them? Or they're great. Just, yeah. They, yes. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah, so yeah. talented. Yeah. And even though they are like your friend, late twenties, they act like they're 50. They do. They, they have the are same so sense of, yeah. in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We agree on so many things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we we've written together a bunch, and they recorded a uh, a couple of, of the songs that we wrote together on like on the last project and on on the project before that. And it's such a thrill to hear them see one of our songs all the way through. Yeah. And their playing is so masterful. They're it's so, so cool to yeah, young women really taking their instrument very seriously. And I know that there's a there's a lot of that happening around, but it's just nice to see it done so well and out there in the world and they've got a lot of fans and people are really appreciating that. I know they're inspiring a, a lot of, you know, a lot of other women yeah, to play thing yeah. and do their thing. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're unbelievably talented and yeah. super sweet. They would always yes. come during, uh, come and do the podcast during South by South, but I always felt like I had to feed them and stuff. That's what I, I always feel like with like, oh. these kids, like, Oh, you guys have been on the road in the stinky van, yeah. like all together. <laughs> um, yeah, but they've probably like made the whole food stop and they have a whole refrigerator full of great, healthy food outside. You know, they're, they're very good at taking care of themselves, but I know the feeling too. I want to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's that feeling. Um, so it, you have written in, when you first started getting songs cut, was that after you went to the castle? And the like for those of you listening, uh, there's a guy named Miles Copeland who was the uh, had a record label called IRS and was the manager of the Beatles of the the Beatles, the Police, and uh-huh. uh, uh, he had a castle in France, and I never got to go, but all my fucking friends went. It drove me nuts. Did you? Sorry, man. Did you ever write with Kevin so Hunter? I don't know. I don't think I did. I ended up going cause I was published by miles. He sent me many times cause he uh, wanted me in those cause he, he had half of my publishing. So he would, he sent me there eight times Yeah, and put me in those rooms. I'm starting now. I feel like an asshole saying that in front of you. Cause you're like, I really wanted to go. And I'm like, miles oh, kept sending me and I'm like a jerk now. <laughs> dude. At one point, my manager was one of the people that decided who went and I didn't go. What the hell? Like I seriously, <laughs> I wanted to claw my own eyes out. And then finally, like when he, that guy, Jed Malone, was was one oh, of the man. guys who decided one of those years. And I was like, well, what about me? And he's like, oh, just wait, you know, when you get your deal and stuff. Then when we got signed, I was too busy. It was like, dude, you got to you got to go right. do shit with your band. This isn't like go write a bunch of songs in France right. time. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Bastards. Well, yeah, I I started to go. Let's see. Well, wait, will you do Actually, this? Will you do me a favor for the listeners? Will you explain, sure. explain what a day there is like and basically what you're going there to do? Because it's, it's really cool. It's like summer camp it for was, cool people. It was so cool and so surreal and also a little terrifying for everybody, which I think helped it. I think that made it work because there were people there of all experience levels, of all success levels. I showed up very young. I was 25, I think, the first time that I went. Um. So 21 songwriters, uh, artists and writers from all over the world meet at a legit castle uh, built in the 1100s, like <laughs> wars and shit were fought in the courtyard. Like it was haunted as fuck, by the way. 
I heard things there that I've never heard again and I never need to. Um, so 21 songwriters met there. We would write in groups of three every day. Some of the trips were seven days. One of them was eight. Um, and your group of three to write a song would change every day. So you basically only had that one morning and afternoon to write the song because that evening that you write the song, you are expected to go into one of the studios on site and record it. Now there's all these factors like you don't really have to make your bed or clean anything. You don't have to make any food. There are chefs there. You don't have to walk your dog. Right. So like all you really have to do is focus on the writing, which helps. And just the kind of where the hell am I? I'm a little jet lagged and oh my God, that's Carol King. You know, <laughs> like just that kind of like, is this even real? Right. For some reason propelled it into a successful idea. Like yeah. I think pretty much everybody finished their song every day that I was there. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I made a lot of friendships there that I still have. Um, the, I think the order of events, though, of me being invited, Miles had already heard of me, and we were already talking about me signing as an artist and a writer there because he had heard a song of mine that was pitched by Mark Addison's publisher, Barbara Vanderland. Pitched right. it this is way back in the Something Robert. like that? Sorry, yes. go ahead, go ahead. So this is like 90, God, I was probably 24. It was probably 95. She pitched it to Miles for Belinda Carlisle. She pitched our song. He passed on it for his artist, but really liked the voice on, on the demo, which was me. So that Mark's publisher pitching our song wow. to him is how he got introduced to Miles Copeland. Now she wasn't finished. So Barbara pitched it to Cher's producer who then uh, loved it and played it for Cher. And it ended up on Cher's album that, yeah. that year, Anne's World. So my very first cut happened um, that way then. And it was right at the same time. It was like simultaneous with having interest as an artist also. So my like writing for other people high, cause I was just like such a cool deal to hear somebody else singing my song, somebody that I've known forever. Share, right? dude. Yeah. Fucking share that I've like heard, <laughs> oh God, heard yeah. forever. And she was doing all of her share things on the song. <laughs> yeah, I'd listen to it. I'd a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then also at the same time, like miles is kind of like keeping an eye on me. We're working together. Like as like writer, just for the castle. I'm not officially like full-time writer for him. I'm not officially full-time artist for him, but I think he's just seeing if I can survive in, in this environment and kind of making sure that I'm not a crazy person, I guess. And so, or although he's worked with crazy people, he would be able to handle that. He kind of is one also, but I think he just wanted to make sure that, you know, it was going to be okay. So I went to a bunch of castles, probably three or four before we closed the publishing deal and, and the label deal. But in the meantime, yeah, I had, you know, sipped the, uh, you know, whatever the nectar is, that is yeah, like yeah, yeah. having somebody <laughs> record your song. It's like, I can't, I'm, I need to keep pursuing this. I want other people to record my songs also. I, yeah. I want to be an artist, but kind of even more, I want to be a writer full time. Yeah. 
Did you grow up in, in LA? I did. Yeah, because your yeah. dad, Randy, mm-hmm. was he worked with, with uh, Linda Ronstadt. And he yeah, was, he's had his songs recorded by Linda Ronstadt and Dolly Parton and Emmy Lou and all he has a long, long list of uh accomplishments like that. And he's still writing and producing and, and doing his thing. Do you guys ever um, write together? Oh yeah, he yeah. was he was like one of my early co-writers. We 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 used to write together often, and we had a song together for the Chicks' home. Oh, was on their you guys own wrote home. that together. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a family victory. That that was really was, really cool. Was unexpected. that rec- was that record home? Was that the not ready to talk nice, not ready to back down? Uh, Home was one before that. Okay. Home was the album that Where she every, said that the was stuff. out. Yeah. When she said the stuff <laughs> that, by the way, she has every right to say. Of course, of course. That um, got all of the reaction and n- not ready to make nice is their reaction to that, to the assholes here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The assholes here. <laughs> it is a crazy world yeah. that we live in. Yeah, unfortunately, it hasn't. There are pockets of it that haven't changed enough since then. No, and I feel like I live in Austin. You live in Nashville. We're like people that live in like these little pockets of sanity, just surrounded by a sea of of lunacy. Absolutely. We're on a little blue <laughs> island. <laughs> yes, you. I'm sorry, but you might be even more. Oh there. yeah, Jesus. The politics We're in Texas. There, yeah. um, I probably shouldn't. No, people encourage you know, to carry guns around here. <laughs> no, it's so it's, it's so backwards. I don't. I don't know what's happening. I don't either. But like going out of your way to attack trans youth, like making it your business, taking time that you could be like helping homeless people. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. go do this with your time. Okay. That's, right, no, done. no, no. It's, it's, I mean, that's, you know, that's something that we deal with all the time. I have family, at, but they're not here in tech in Texas. They're in uh, Miami, but they're very, uh, <laughs> you know, like a sister that's worried that the rainbows that they put at Crate and Barrel during pride month are going to encourage her son who's five oh to become gay. And I, as much as I explained that that is not how it works. And also he's just seeing a rainbow. He's not, he, right. he's just seeing, he's, there's not, <laughs> there's not, there's nothing, there's no words under it or anything. There's just a rainbow. Right. He doesn't know. Like you have a right. problem with it. <laughs> like you have right. a problem accepting other people because you have some weird hang up that, your mom and our dad and he, did to you. He's he probably there's probably so many things that he would never even think about if they didn't bring it up in such a negative way. And now he's going to go investigate. Like all they had to do was shut up. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Fucking crazy world, Maya Shaw. Um, <laughs> it is. Look, let's go back to some of this songwriting stuff because I am pretty blown away by your. It wasn't just the chicks who are huge, Cher, who is slightly huge. <laughs> but like Trisha Yearwood, Bonnie Raitt, uh, Lisa Loeb, Paul Carrick. That is awesome. I met, Dude, I met Paul Carrick and Lisa Loeb both at the castle. Jesus. Oh, yeah. So 
sweet. Yeah. Who else was there at the castle? Who else is it like it like Art Garfunkel? Was he from the castle? No, he was not. Uh Carol King was one of my very first co writes there. So I'm twenty five. Amazing. She was there to work, man. Literally in a t shirt and her five oh ones, her faded five oh ones, and she just like rolled her sleeves back. I guess she didn't have sleeves in a t shirt, but she was just like there to be on the journey. Okay, let's all put our song ideas out. Like never played the Carol card, even though she's of course has sold a billion more records than anybody else. And she just was in it for the work and loving it. Yeah. So, so cool. Howard Jones. He oh. was a hero of mine. I know. I love him. He was super cool too. Rick Astley no was way. hilarious. I know. It sounds like I'm making it up. No, that's um, the coolest. It's just so awesome. It's so, it's so, so cool. The Go-Go's, as you know, yeah. like Jane, Jane and Charlotte, Linda and Charlotte uh-huh. uh, are, are who I saw there. The Bengals, a couple of the Bengals were there. Stuart Copeland was there. I got to work with him. And we worked a little bit m- more um, after we got back to Los Angeles because he lived in L.A. too. Um, yeah, just, God, it's a, a long line. Yeah. I think of some other ones. Oh, Jane have... Sibbery? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved her. Um, I think yeah. I might have even heard those songs because I remember Jane was like when I went there, it was so fresh that like mm. she had had a dat and yeah, she had done it onto a cassette of all the songs that she wrote there and we would listen to them when we were driving around because she was so proud of them. Yeah, it's amazing what happened in a day. Yeah. And then recording th- that evening. Yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. Super fun. Um, so when did you start, uh, producing? Cause you produced other artists as well. When I went to your website and I started looking at, you have it, you have your, your career broken down in the three things, which is so amazing. Cause what a, that's one thing, like when you were talking about the accidentals and seeing women that, that play so well and, and getting, uh, praised and recognition for this sort of thing. One of the things that I've, that I've noticed for so long, I think, is starting to change is women in the technical side of things. There's not a oh, lot absolutely. of women producers or, or engineers. There are more and more, though. There's yeah. there's a wave of them coming up, and some of them are frighteningly young. When I say frighteningly, like, how are you that skilled at that age? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I think I'm hoping that that's going to, crossover to you know even more into the mainstream and it's just going to be a commonplace I'm, I'm waiting for that time but yeah there's a bunch of them out there now that are doing really good work the production for me every time it starts with an organic thing it's not like hey i'm gonna hire you to be the producer it's like we're writing together and i always have a you know um, in LA or here, I always have some kind of, of a studio rig. And so, you know, we might just record a little something and then I'll get some ideas or I'll, you know, I'll send it, I'll send it back a couple of days later with, you know, the whirly on it now and a harmony or whatever. And that usually leads to like, you know what, if we follow this all the way through, this could be the EP or this could be the single or whatever. So I think, a lot of the work started like that with, with art we had recorded together before I was not the producer. Um, 
years earlier, um, um, Billy Mann was a producer, but we went on the road together and we hung out a lot together and art had seen that I was producing other, other artists. And so he asked me to produce a couple sides to add a couple new songs to add to, um, he would not call it, he would not call it uh, a greatest hits. It was like a curation of his favorites or something like that. And it was Simon and Garfunkel and his solo stuff. It was all his favorite stuff plus two new songs. And so he asked me to do that. But yeah, and like, um, I have a couple new productions. Uh, uh, sorry, I have a couple new productions in progress now, and I'm bringing it up because they are, all of them are women and play their asses off. Uh, there's a duo of Shannon Labrie and Sarah Holbrook. And I don't know if you know Sarah Holbrook from the band Shell. And then Mm-mm. Shannon has been um, a solo artist for years. They both are just monsters. Like Sarah plays violin and mandolin and Shannon's like, she'll pick up a guitar and then she'll go to the piano and then she'll pick up a bass and they're just fearless and they're really good players. And then they sing their ass off. So that's been a lot of fun. Like the band's all here. We do so much of it right here in this, in this scene, you know, like, let's try that. Let's try that. And then, you know, a lot of people like I can get around on, anything in the room. Like if I have enough time, I can give you a Wurlitzer take. That's right. I can give you a bass take. That's right. Whatever. Right. But when Sarah picks up a violin, you're like, Oh shit. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I can't do anything with that. Yeah. And you're, you're, you know, you're bringing a symphony. It's yeah. really sweet. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, who, who did mix this record? Reckless thoughts. Um, Ryan Hewitt makes the first, couple tracks on it he mixed the entire uh my entire last album mercy rising Mm -hmm. um so he did the first two tracks and then his schedule got so slammed he uh suggested that uh a guy that he had been working with or guy that had been working with him and kind of learning from him um maybe mix the rest and so uh i called him so his his name is jordan silva so he mixed the other eight okay and they're very good. similar. Yeah. He ran he ran the mixes through Ryan before he sent them over to me, so their styles are, are very similar. Yeah, well, thank you. And a lot of that also is the resistor sessions, the sounds that, you know, uh, the sounds that Josh engineers in his room. And after Mercy Rising, my last album, I knew sonically I wanted that again because it's just so satisfying. Yeah. It's warm. And round, but it's not. It's not heavy or muddy. It's just rich, you know. Yeah. So a lot of that's Josh. Um, you're doing one show with the band, like full band at Third and Lindsley. I'm always like, I've never, I have played another place there, but I'm like, is there another place? Like, I don't live there, so whenever I go there, I'm always just going there to play at Third and Lindsley. I'm just always like, why is oh, there really? another place here? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of places here. Um, well, I do the Bluebird probably the most, either as a writer in the round or you can do a little show on the stage there at the Bluebird. It's small, but you know people are going to be listening because they're not allowed to not listen there. Right. <laughs> so uh, 
the basement is a favorite oh. one. Uh, I, I was just kidding. I, I just meant I, oh, for some I'm, reason. I'm so sorry. I thought you Lindsay, had like no, no. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> no, no. I just it's uh, do, do, I just I just had this thought. Do you know Grace Pettis? Yes. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. That I don't move. Just moved yeah. there from here. I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure she's the grace that I'm thinking of, but I hair. definitely am familiar with her music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that she moved. She moved. It's so funny. I thought you were just like, every time I come, I go to the same venue. Yeah. Where else should I play? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so what I was going to say is you're doing that, that show there on August 20th, full band, but... When you go out on tour later on, is that just solo? Solo acoustic, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's, I mean, one, that's kind of the only way that it works out financially, yeah. but also I, I love the freedom of that. There's a little bit of a, of a, um, I had to prove it to myself kind of thing happening, whether that's healthy or not. I don't know. But for years I would not, I didn't want to play solo. I always had somebody else on the stage with me. I started playing live with like a six piece band. Cause I just like, I wanted the cushion and then I, then I was five and then I was four and then I was a trio and then I was a duo for a really long time. And even then as a duo where the other person on the stage is not playing all the time, I still, um, the idea of being alone on the stage was just a terrifying thing. And so once I got over that, yeah. I just, I kind of I'm still kind of celebrating that because I really enjoy playing alone now yeah. after years, not so, but I haven't done a full band thing in town. This is going to be the lightning, uh, the lightning 100 Nashville Sunday night thing that they do. And they've been very supportive for years. So, um, it just, it just feels like a blowout show. Like I got to do it all. And the guys on the record are here and I have friends like one of the accidentals is gonna, is going to be there with me. Katie is going to play a did little cello with. Yes. Oh, they live they here did. now. Okay. All right. Well, that makes really? sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But they, they were from like Traverse city, Michigan or something like that. Exactly. How'd you remember that? Yes, Dude, I've done 1,290 something pot episodes of the show and I, I can, I, I, I like them. I can't remember where everyone's yeah. from by any means, but I, I always looked forward to them coming on the show. Yeah. They're, they, I feel like they've lived a lot of lives for their, however, maybe they're 30 now, but please. <laughs> oh, they're 30. I guess they did start coming on like, like 10 years ago. Cause I've had this show since 2011. <laughs> they're probably older than that. If they hear this, it'd be like, dude, we're 33. Like, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how old they are, but they just, they're still very I young just, in my mind. And I'm just saying they're ahead of their years. Yes. Whatever their number is, they act like we're the same age. Was that too? Nothing but the radio. Was that a, 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 a Don was production. That was a Linda Taylor and me production. Okay. That was, um, and she was a duo mate for a while. I mean, I went on the road with her. Like she was the other person on the stage who was, you know, filling it out yeah. for me. And we co-produced that. Um, yeah. We threw the kitchen sink at that one. I just listened to that again the other day for the first time in probably years. And it's like, Oh my God. 
cathedral <laughs> bells and horns and strings. And I'm pretty sure that's two drum kits oh, really? that are lined up fairly perfectly, but intentionally a little flammy. Yeah. And then just, uh, just more, 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 more. Man, speaking of doubled things, that your voice on uh, on uh, she'll let herself out like that doubled like oh, I love you. the sound of your of your voice doubled. I love the sound of your voice. Period. But doubled is really cool. Thank you. Once I discovered that, it's actually that's actually tripled. Oh, it is. I got the one in the middle, and I got I got one on each side. It takes for freaking ever, but once I discovered that, I've like wherever I can, I can make a double work or a triple. I do it. I have it. On, I have it on my last album as well. And the singles tend to be the doubled ones because there's something about it. I don't have to sing hard, but I feel like I I get the power. Yeah. But I get to sound kind of casual, but I yeah. still get the oomph. Yeah. Yeah. I I came up like uh, with a four track, so I did it because I couldn't get my vocals to cut through without doing it. Oh, okay. And so I like, I've done it so much. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I've done it so much that a lot of times when I'm working with different producers and engineers, they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I just, I did it so much at such a formative time that no one can fucking imitate me better than me. (laughs) I love that. And there's this, and there's little subtleties that that would be hard to teach somebody how to do that because you're, when you know you're singing a double or a triple, it's not the same as when you're singing a lead. It's a little slightly different airflow, right? Yeah. And you're listening a little differently. And yeah, like the way you articulate, there's just little moves. And then, but it also, right, it makes you really learn wherever your accents were, where you ended words, all of these things that you don't think about when you just do your lead. And now you have to know every in and out of your own vocal. I think it's some, I've actually assigned that to, um, to, uh, one of my students, like, this is how you learn your own vocal style, like in the most, in, in the, you know, kind of, hardest way to do it, but you fucking learn it. Like that's, you're really going to know exactly what you're doing. And it also like helps you really zero in on your pitch and on your phrasing. Like, cause now you have to analyze it as a listener instead of just as the performer. Yeah. It's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. You teach classes. Somehow I got, made adjunct at NYU. That is fucking rad. It's, it's so, it's another one of these kind of surrealities, but it's so cool. And I learn a ton from it too. I've been doing this summer songwriters workshop for a bunch of years. I think I just did year 11. And when the lockdown happened, they started to have remote private songwriting major lessons and they started to allow that, right? Because they didn't want anybody, you know, to have to share, you know, a little practice room or something. Right. So once once they saw that private lessons can work remotely, they opened it up to somebody who doesn't live in New York. And I had been doing the songwriter workshop, and the the leader of the of the summer workshop is also the head of of the department. And so he's like, well, 
now that it's open, do you want to apply? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it was, you know, it was such a, a crazy time. Like the idea of doing something cool remotely when you never, you don't know where the world is heading. Yeah. And, uh, so I did it and it's, it's been, I've, it's humbled me. Like I've learned so much, you know, when you have to figure out how to explain something that you've just been doing for years, it makes you look at yourself a little differently. And I always learn from them. I learn, I hear new music through them. They're, you know, 17 to their grad, they're 17 to maybe 27. Yeah. And there's, there's a whole other world. It's great. Yeah. There's a lot of great. Do you know Mary Gaucher? Yes. She's so talented. Yeah. So talented. That's a, that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I was, well, I was talking to her and she was talking about uh, <laughs> spending like 40 hours on a song. And like, basically that's, sure. that's what she, you probably do too. You're great. But as soon as she finished, all I could think was like, I listened to way too much Def Leppard. Like, <laughs> it's just like immediately start beating myself up for like being a huge fan of the cult. You know what I mean? Why? Uh, no, those are classics. No, I know, I know. I'm just, I I feel like, uh, I mean, she's very uh, like other, other level of, I guess it's also she's very smart and very uh, driven and, and very uh, in this pursuit of, communicating the truth like nobody's business right yeah she can articulate it she has the vocabulary and the mindfulness to put what she's thinking and how she's working into words for somebody else and she knows how to meet people where they are yeah are you uh are you like a super personal song like what where do you where do your songs live in relation to you when I first started writing, they were mostly not super personal. It was, it was for the craft of it. Like I was, I would get really excited about, about an idea, about a story, about a turn of a phrase, about a piece of music. And every now and then there'd be something that was really happening in my life that I, that I wanted to get out. And so there'd be like one or two that were, very personal to me on each album, but the rest were not, they were observations or they were my co-writers, you know, real thing. Um, But lately, and it's interesting that you brought up Mary because she was one of the early writers in um, an organization called songwriting with soldiers. Uh Yeah. She, she isn't doing that so much anymore, but I started doing that kind of right around the time that she was doing it less. Um, I started it in 2017 and just to tell you a little bit about that. I mean, you probably already know, but just to kind of, you know, um, a songwriter sits down with a veteran or active duty service member or a family member, um, a family of, of a soldier and we write whatever, whatever story they want to share with us, we make a song out of it. And there's a couple versions of it. There's the like weekend retreat where four songwriters will be there and like eight veterans are there. And we 
we show up on Friday night, we meet, we play a few songs, we write a quick song with them just to kind of show them that this is, you know, as long as you're opening up and you're sharing, we can make a song out of it. And then on Saturday, we each have a one-on-one with two of them. And then, you know, there's a concert. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's very challenging. It's a little scary because you feel like this is important and I need to get this right. And there's this is an experience that I ha- didn't have. None of me is in this song. I've checked myself at the door. I'm just like here to translate into song. And But then there's another um, application. Songwriting with Soldiers will send one writer to something called The Path, Progressive Alternative Training for Helping Heroes. And we, one writer will sit down with everyone in, everyone that is, signed up for the path week. So it could be up to nine, uh, uh, veterans, first responders, law enforcement, um, a mix. And I sit there with up to nine of them at the same time and, and just start a conversation, find a common theme in the room. I have like two and a half hours to write a song from zero to song with all of these people. And it, it scares the shit out of me every time. And I fucking love that about it. Like it, it pushes it, it employs me fully. Like every skill that I have, not just as a writer, but as a human being, (laughs) I'm usually exhausted because he had to catch some 6am flight to make it there. There's sites all over the country. Like I might, it might be in Seattle. It might be Portland, Maine. It might, you know, it could be anywhere. And you just, oh man, it is, it is it just rings me out and then just fills me up at the same time. And I bring this up. It's a very long way to answer what you asked. Um, because it showed me, it reminded me the importance of sharing a true thing. We are there. I I'm there to write a truth in the room. They have a lot of stories we could have a lot of songs, but in the time allotted, we're going to do this one thing and we're going to, we're going to go all the way with it. We're going to find the theme and we're going to write a song. And the power of that true thing in a song and what it does for the person who shared their truth, what it does for the person who heard it, who thought they were alone and they were the only one who felt that, what it does for the person like me that got to observe it. And it's like changed me forever. Um, so now I give no shits about a crafty little ditty or a turn of a phrase. Like it's gotta be real. And I fortunately now that I've lived a little bit more and I'm not a 25 year old who's trying to make her first album. Now I'm a 52 year old who's seen some shit. I have some real stories to tell. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so the long answer is lately. Yes. Very personal but it didn't used to be like that. That's great. That's really great. You, do you know Darden Smith? He he's, is one of the co-founders of, of Song. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. He is. He's the guy who called me and initially scared the shit out of me telling me what this is. He's like, okay, I know that you can do this. You're going to sit down with a veteran. You're going to write a song about whatever they want to write about. And, I was like, I don't write songs in two hours. Although the castle helped to show me that it's possible, but I used to be, 
you know, the Mary Gaucher writer. Like right. I would takes me a couple of weeks or it takes me at least, a, you know, a day at least like right. that's fast. Yeah. And, but, um, no, it somehow it works. The other thing that works about it is that your uh, all of your own stuff, like it's the biggest vacation from yourself that you could possibly yeah. take. There's no room for you in that room. It's yeah. all about them. You're just the crafts person. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fun to do. I do that. Uh, it's funny. I do a thing like that, but it's nowhere near as altruistic. It's, 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 do you ever you, heard of this thing called song division? No. What do they do? It's this, it's this company, this guy started where, uh, they use songwriting as a corporate team building tool. And so uh-huh. you do like go, okay. you have like 45 minutes to write a song with, with 30 people in a room. I have done the, like a corporate retreat kind of thing, but it wasn't 35 minutes. We had a couple hours to do it. You do it in that in, length of in, time. In an, it's usually an hour or 45 minutes. I just did one like in March in Arizona. But oh, yeah. man. But I, what I was going to say is I also, I, I uh, thrive on, uh, on that level of pressure to have to have mm-hmm. this thing done. And then it goes into a battle of the bands because there's another... There's there's other rooms with songwriters and 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 groups of thirty five people writing other songs. Then you get into this big ass oh, thing, and everybody cool. performs all the songs. Yeah. Oh, I bet they love it. They I do bet love they go it. wild. Yeah. and they talk about it for a long time afterwards. I'm sure. Like, look I at bet your they ass. Do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it. There's. I mean, you know, there's there's people that that don't like that kind of thing. Like, I have some good friends that I work with that like have. I've brought them in like, Hey, we need a couple people in Austin for this thing. And I'm like, Hey, it's pretty good money. And it's super fun. You get to hang out with other songwriters and stuff all day. And mm-hmm. they do it. And they're like, I hated it. I don't like working under those yeah. that kind of pressure. So, who knows? well, I, I thought I wouldn't like it, but the, just also who you get to hang with. And I get to hear these stories. I would have never otherwise heard. Yeah. I get to see this kind of level of, humanity and the bravery of coming back to like right get through this trauma to and they're showing up and they're oh man yeah it's very inspiring yeah and i'm sure that that helps them immensely in a in a different way than the corporate people but it, it i'm right. sure to be able to unburden yourself that way and then also be given the key of how to do it on their own afterwards if they want you know right right yeah 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 they're shown that they they can pursue this kind of wacky art. Yeah. You know, there's about every three or four paths that I do. There's a secret songwriter in the room who like who admits afterwards, like, yeah, well, I used to write a lot, but I haven't finished this song in five or ten years. But I think I'm going to go back and do it now. I'm like, yes, yeah, you know, you know, I helped with that. That's there. I I feel like with people that write songs that you want to listen to I, I don't know what you know what i mean like some kind of accessibility like mark addison or something like that's a guy that like i'm he'll rarely write something that i would hate i'm gonna like it on mm-hmm. some level because he was brought up with this level of taste where he knows how to put a thing together and you can sure along with it you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um what do you do what do you do with your Patreon? Like, what do you, what, what, what does someone get off of joining your Patreon? 
Um, they get, well, there are the various levels. The lowest level is five a month and they get two, uh, unreleased, often brand new songs that nobody else has heard either yet or that they will ever hear. They're just a song that I'm doing on the side. That's not, that's not, um, you know, officially out there. Uh, they get two of those a month and it's been really cool for me too, because it, it, pushes me to finish that idea or if I got a song finished, but I don't have a recording of it, you know, sometimes it's just a guitar vocal or piano vocal. Sometimes it's a full production. Sometimes it's a cover. It's just things that are only for them. The whole point is like, you know, like a behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, And they know they like, they get like little videos and stuff. So they, they see more of what's going on and, um, we can like interact. They, you know, I do a monthly live stream too. So if they have a request or if they have a question, um, and then I, I had, I used to have many tiers, but now I just have the three and it's, um, so it's the, you know, the two songs a month, everybody gets that. The live stream is the next level the 15. And then the highest level is, um, I write a custom song for you every year. Oh, wow. If you um, ha- want to give, you know, a Christmas present or a birthday present or just a song for yourself or whatever. So it's, it's kind of what I'm doing with the soldiers, but it's just one-on-one and it's oh, over really a couple cool. of and whatever they want their song to be. Yeah. So and and I, prob- I really enjoy it. They probably don't realize that it's a great exercise for you to get out of your head and just write a song about what's in front of you, like writing a song, you know, mm-hmm. for a movie or something, if someone asked you. Yeah, it's kind of the way I used to do it. Like, I would get an idea, I would get a story, I would either see it or I would think of it, and then I would write a song about that, but it was not necessarily a personal thing. So when somebody brings me their story, that's what it feels like. It feels like the way I used to write. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, what is this show, Monarch? Was that I? I saw it oh, on the yeah. Spotify thing, and I meant to look it up, but I just saw you had a song on there, and I was like, "What is that show? Is it like yeah, Nashville it or was, something?" It was really cool. No, it wasn't. Um, well, I guess maybe there were similarities. Um, Susan Sarandon was in it. Um, Aaron, remind me, he's a country singer. Aaron, no, not Aaron. Sorry. Trace Adkins. Oh yeah, yeah. Is in it. I really like his acting. Um, and Susan Sarandon, of course. Um, yeah, I think I think it's off the air now, but I managed to get a song in there oh. in the last season. Junkyard Dog in there. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's another thing, man. You want to circle back to a question about leaving LA? Yeah, and being here in Nashville. Ironically, because LA is, you'd think like the film and TV sync hub I was there for years and had many almosts in the sync world and I came here and got a film and TV film and TV licensing company out of Nashville here gold sounds and they got that placement oh. it's like how many clues do I need that LA is just not a fit for the way I write and what I do. I still love it. I'm always going to have a wistful place in my heart for Los Angeles, Yeah. but professionally just, I'm, I just fit here. Yeah. I understand that. 
same way I feel about here, like going out there for years to do stuff. I was always like, I don't want to live here. This isn't my scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds sad. Yeah, and it's that, yeah, like when people, when people ask me, like, you know, a bunch of people from the workshop this last summer, um, a couple weeks ago, like, where's the best city to be in for music? It's like, you got to find what your, what you do yeah. fits into that place. Yeah. Because it's not the same answer for everybody. Yeah, Austin's great for some things, but if you want to be like the electronica king of America, this isn't. You probably shouldn't come here because mm-hmm. no one, Mm-mm. no one cares. Do you do you come down here and play at all? Uh, it's been a while. I used to do it. Yeah. Um, I like to again. Yeah, I'd set to figure out how it makes sense. I might. I'm trying to get back over to Darden Smith and kind of join him for. Um, he has a monthly concert. Yeah, and a workshop. I might. And also just to hang out with him. It's been a long time. Yeah, he's I a love good that dude. guy. Me too. Yeah. He's a good dude. Um, well, man, this has been great talking to you, Maya. And it's fine well, to Thank finally you so meet much. you after hearing so much about you in that condensed period of time. I know. I feel like I already know you. And it's probably because we we were so almost for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, if you do come down, like let's let's uh, stay in touch somehow because I I would love to meet you in person and stuff. Maybe go to lunch with you and Dar- I love Darden Smith. That guy's just amazing and such a sweet yes, dude. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, cool. Well, yeah. When when I know when I'm coming to hang with him, I'll let him know and we'll do that. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, Reckless Thoughts will be out on uh, on August 18th. I think this will be coming out a couple weeks from when we're doing this, but people can find you at mayasharp.com. You're doing some Midwest and East coast touring. So people can look it up there. And August 20th, yep. you're doing the, the full band at third and Lindsley. Uh, people should get out and see that if they live in Nashville. I hope so. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I'm pulling out all the stops for that. Pulling out. What is that? It's like, you're going to wear like kiss boots or something. Um, I guess I'm keeping that stop in. Maybe okay. I'm not pulling out that stop, <laughs> but all the other ones. <laughs> Just immediately, I equate like pulling out all the stops with explosions or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you can go pyro at, at Third and Lindsley. It doesn't seem like that kind of rule. All the other. No. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great talking to you, Maya. And great. Yeah, you, this, this record's you too. really, really fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks. All right, gang, that was Maya Sharp. Her amazing new record, Reckless Thoughts, comes out next Friday, August 18th. She will be celebrating with a release show on August 20th at 3rd and Lindsley in Nashville. Then she'll be heading out on tour starting August 30, August 23rd. Go to mayasharp.com for all your Maya Sharp needs. I really enjoyed talking to her, man. She is a cool, cool person. I hope that we get to hang out sometime in person. Also, gang, don't forget Connor's Heart celebrating this, this Sunday, celebrating Connor's life and raising awareness for uh, fentanyl and opioid intervention groups here in Austin uh, with Eric Johnson, with Roscoe Beck, Lance Keltner and Nuevo Retro, uh, my dear friends Vallejo, David Grissom with special guests, and also uh, I will be getting up there as a special guest at the end and playing. That's all takes place this Sunday, August 13th at Emo's 2015 East Riverside. Doors at 6, show at 7. See you there. Everyone get out there and check out Maya Sharp. And gang, don't forget when you're out there checking out mayasharp.com or you're checking out connorsheart.org, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcast new shows every Tuesday and every Friday. And uh, geez, man, we're 12 years old. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Happy birthday to How Did I Get Here, right? 
<laughs> Have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. I'll see you Sunday at Emos. Let's get down. Show